Hey, fellow rockers, this is Niels Lozauer, and you're listening to Far Out Podcast with my good buddy, Frank Hannon. This is the Far Out Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Hannon. And today, my special guest is legendary photographer, Niels Lozauer. Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Monday, March 16th. That's a little excerpt from Van Halen 2, Beautiful Girls. And the reason I'm playing that is because Niels Lozauer is my special guest, and he is a photographer who shot all the album cover photos on that album and many more. We've got some great stories coming up on this podcast. I had a lot of fun interviewing him in my cabin on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Speaking of the Monsters of Rock cruise, it was a great time, but that's when we first heard of this coronavirus thing being a threat. When we boarded the ship, they were asking us if anybody had been to China or Asia, and we didn't know what was coming up and what is happening now with the quarantines and the shutdowns and all the cancellations and everything that's going on with the music industry. And, you know, the poor people that are getting sick and dying, especially over in Italy. My heart goes out to Italy right now. But even here in the States, there's so much fear and craziness going on. I was at the Safeway grocery store last night and, you know, of course, the toilet paper and paper towels is out of stock. But what was more concerning to me was just the look of uh, paranoia on everybody's faces standing in line and just the general vibe and spirit of everyone right now is uh, one of fear and paranoia. So, that being said, I feel it's my purpose to create some entertainment for y'all and uh, help you get your mind off of this stuff that's going going on and uh, create some podcasts here. Of course, we want to encourage everyone to be safe and stay inside, not get yourself in any vulnerable positions or exposure to this virus. What I've been learning about this virus, it's called COVID-19. The coronavirus actually is a mislabel. The coronavirus has been around for ages. That is actually the common cold. But what's happened is it's turned into this new strain of COVID, which is much more severe and much more fatal and much more contagious. I do understand why they are shutting down large gatherings because they don't want this to get out of control like a wildfire burning and uh, not being able to contain it. So I do understand it. So for the next month or two, we're going to be hibernating and I will personally be here in the studio creating and uh, I do have a ton of interviews still waiting to be put together from this Monsters of Rock cruise. So uh, over the next couple weeks, I hope the Far Out podcast will take your mind away from all this stuff that's going on and give you something to look forward to. Right now, check out this brand new riff from my good friend and guitarist, Jared James Nichols. This is called Through Me to the Wolves. It's brand new music on the Far Out Podcast.
All right, that's a brand new song called Threw Me to the Wolves by my good friend Jared James Nichols. That's brand new music, and here to talk about new music with me right now is my good friend JT Lux. What's happening, man? Hey, man, it's going good. How you doing? Doing all right. We're hibernating, ain't we? Yeah, it's been a very crazy last few weeks. So that's Jared James Nichols, man, one of our favorite guitar players. You got to meet Jared at the NAMM show. Yeah, he's super nice. He's super down to earth. And and, uh, I got to talk to him a little bit about gear and about his new uh, Epiphone model. Because I've been playing something similar to that. It's like a 55 reissue. um, And it's got that thicker neck on it. And he's just super nice. and, And he gave me a lot of good advice. So... Jared's really cool, man. And I think rock and roll is in a good state, man. It seems like the guitar has really uh, made a comeback in rock and roll with this younger generation. Yeah, definitely. For the last five years or so, it's it's coming back into the mainstream, uh, you know, indie rock scene. And I'm loving it because <laughs> that's the type of music that I love, you know. Yeah, well, you're a young guy, and uh, a lot of these young bands that are coming out are definitely uh, featuring a lot more guitars, and uh, Jared James Nichols is at the forefront of that right now. Yeah, and he's he's uh, he's been doing a lot of those Instagram videos and, and uh, getting all that stuff out there, and I think that's been an, a different, a new wave of musicians is that Instagram uh, model of guitar playing, you know? Right, yeah. So let's talk about another guitar player. I'm not too familiar with this guy, but you were talking about him. Uh, let's talk about Marcus King, man. What do you know about him? Oh, Marcus King, yeah. He's 23 years old, and he's got a new album out called El Dorado. It came out, like I think, in January, and he's a great blues guitar player. I believe he was discovered by Warren Haynes, and Warren Haynes played with the Allman Brothers and whatnot, and Marcus King's just got that soul in his voice, too, and he's got this new song that I've been loving listening to is Wildflowers and Wine. Wildflowers and Wine, huh? Yep, yep. Is that the one to check out by Marcus King? That's definitely uh, my first, one of my first choices, that one in The Well. The Well. Mm-hmm. All right, check out Jared James Nichols and Marcus King uh, as far as like guitar players go. But last week when you were on the show, we talked about a band called Dirty Honey. And uh, when I was going to the grocery store yesterday, I heard them on the radio. And they kick ass, man. Yeah, they're a great band. Um, they're bringing back that that gritty sound uh, that a lot of people are missing. I think a lot of uh, this new generation is that missed growing up in the 70s and the 80s and whatnot are really wanting to hear that type of music come back. And I've really recognized that that's coming to the forefront a lot lately. Crunchy, good old-fashioned rock and roll, guitar-driven music. Old school style, but with the younger generation. So we're going to play a little bit of Dirty Honey coming up here in a minute. The song I heard on the radio yesterday was a song called When I'm Gone. Yeah, When I'm Gone is uh, one of their most popular songs. That one and Rolling Sevens is, has been definitely one that's been going on my playlist back and over and over again. <laughs> so tell me, where is Dirty Honey from? Well, they're from, they're from L.A. and they originated there back in 2017. And they kind of they kind of made their rounds around and paid their dues for a while, and uh, in 2019 they went on tour with Slash. Well, speaking of L.A., right now I'm holding in my hands, right there, Van <laughs> Halen Two, bro. This is a vinyl copy of Van Halen Two, and you know you come from this new age of everything being on the iPhone, but I want you to check this out, man. Look at for this. sure. Let me check it out. 
That is Van Halen 2 on vinyl. I love vinyl, and I know there's a big market nowadays for people my age that are getting into vinyl again, you know, because it's, it's physical. It's something you can hold in your hands, and you can open it up and see the, the cover inside, and, and you can read all the information about the, the band and whatnot. What do you think of those photos, man? No, they're badass, man. This is uh, Neil, right? He, he... Neil's Lozauer took those photos. And, you know, when I was a young guy playing music, that's all we had to do was look at photos. We didn't have YouTube or anything, you know? So Neil's Lozauer's photos played a big part in, you know, the experience of listening to rock and roll albums. Oh, he definitely captured the magic here. Look, I mean, I'm looking right at um, David Lee Roth jumping in the air. That's so funny, man. That's such an iconic photo. All right, bro. JT, it's great to have you on the show. We're going to uh, fast forward now and get Niels Lozauer's interview going. And uh, thanks for sharing your info, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Frank. Here's a piece of that brand new Dirty Honey song. This is called When I'm Gone. All right, you are listening to the Far Out Podcast, and we're recording this on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Uh, we're in my cabin right now, and I am joined by an old friend, the legendary Neil Zlozauer. What's up, Zloz? Not too much, just enjoying the Monsters of Rock cruise like everybody else. No kidding, man. That's what I love about you, because you're a fan. I mean, I see you in the audience more without your camera than with it. Well, I'm sort of retired, so I'm an old fuck, you know. So the thing is, the last 50 years, I've been watching bands like the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and David Bowie and Tesla and every other band, but I've been working and shooting photos and being a music lover, I could still enjoy myself, but I don't want to carry that shit around my neck all the time. You know, I sort of walk with, you know, a hunched over back because back in the day, all the camera shit I used to use was gears and mechanical and the stuff weighed a ton. So I'm like an old hunchback <laughs> Jewish guy now, you know. So. <laughs> well, no kidding, man. So, you know, I, I wrote down some stuff and now that you mentioned that old school is right. I mean, you were probably carrying around like medium format cameras or all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. Well, you know, for live shows, I used to use 35 millimeters. You can't use medium format at a concert because it's too slow, it's too bulky, and it only carries so much film, so you'd have to reload after 10 shots. But <laughs> but those are those Nikon F2s with motor drives and a 180 millimeter lens. That shit, after a while, got to be pretty heavy. So. Yeah. Tell me the first show you ever shot, bro. Well, the first show I consider was my starting point was the Rolling Stones, November 1969 at the Forum. And back then, tickets were $4.50, and $6.50. I don't mean $4.50 like $450 and $550 like they are now. You know, they were like, there was a $2 difference between the, the top-of-the-line seats and the cheapos. So I was a 13-year-old kid. I could only afford the cheapos. So once I was with my friends, I'm like, fuck this shit. I, I'm in the nosebleed section. I'm going to go walk up to the front of the stage and hang with Mick and Keith. 
because back then you can do that. There was no, if you went to the form, there was only the form ushers. There was no big goonie bouncers like there are today with the, you know, the muscles and everything like that. So I just walked up, stood in the front row the whole night and shot photos of Mick and Keith and Mick Taylor and Charlie and and Bill Wyman. And, you know, I was like gaga goo goo like any other 13, 14 year old kid would be. So it was great, you know. And then after that, I went on to shoot Led Zeppelin and The Who and Candy and Derek and the Dominoes and, you know, you name it. It was a different time back then. Wow, man, that is fascinating. Did you actually sneak your camera in? Were you able to get credentials? Well, back then, I was just a glorified fan, okay? But back then, you could just bring your camera in. They didn't care. There wasn't like, can't bring a camera in with, you know, detachable lenses like there is now. You know, I mean, now everybody shoots photos with their phone anyway, and the quality so good that everybody, you know, everybody on the Monsters of Rock Cruise is a photographer, but I didn't even bring a camera on this ship. Like I said, I'm trying to make up for my last 50 years <laughs> that I was working and jerking, you know. <laughs> now I want to have some fun. I'm hanging with my girlfriend, Kyoko, and, you know, enjoying all the bands that are on the ship, and it's great. You know? Yeah, you were right front and center last night, man, and I have to tell you, it made me feel great did to you have you Did you see me? There. I did. I uh, saw you. Yeah, it was yeah. fourth row center. Well, Honestly, and I'm not jerking you because I'm going to do that once you put the tape recorder away after I get some lube, but what do you got? <laughs> Honestly, you guys every year just put on a great show. I mean, the, the musicianship's amazing. And there's a lot of... I've worked with... 80% of the bands on this ship. And now they're old guys like me. And, you know, they're using the shoe polish and the hair and shit like that. But Tesla just puts on an amazing show. I mean, I'm standing on my feet. And, you know, the, the library of, you know, fantastic songs that Tesla has, everybody knows them from Love Song to Coming At You Live to whatever. But you guys did not do Edison Edison, which I really <laughs> wanted to hear. Uh, well, we're changing our set. Tomorrow's show, we're going to do heaven's trail which we didn't do last night okay or hang tough hang tough's gray that's the first album if i'm not mistaken yeah uh, well it's on the second okay. one but we wrote it actually before when we were doing the first okay album. i thought it was on the first album but you know better than me you know i did well, little yeah. Susie last night all the yeah. great songs you rick know. allen got up on stage yeah. with us it was awesome to see you in the crowd and one of the things i wanted to mention You know, we've done studio shots with you, and I want to talk about some of the iconic studio shots you've done. Okay. And one of the things I've always loved, I'm getting chills right now because you're a bro, Mm -hmm. is you always have the artist feeling really comfortable. And that's important to me, man. Yeah, well, you know, the photographers in this day and age, they just, you know, shoot. There's no film and processing, so they can shoot thousands of photos on a 60-gigabyte memory card. But, you know, I got a big mouth, as you guys can tell. So I'm like, come on, Frankie, give me some attitude, man. You're a fucking rock star. You know, stick your chin out. You know, your record just went double platinum. You're playing two sold-out shows at the four. Give me some fucking rock star attitude. But the people in this day and age... They don't, there's no, there's no 
interaction between the artists. So if you look at the photos, it just looks like five retarded morons standing there like, are we doing what you want us to do? Right, no, you would be like part of the band and like you would coach it out of us. I always loved that. Yeah, I'd pull everything out. You know, I'd go home after my photo shoots and I'd be tired, I'd be drained. You know, I have to drink some Mickey's Big Mouse, which I usually did during the shoots anyway and whatever else I did back then in my heyday, you know. I'm an old guy now, so I'm, I'm in my golden years, but I'm still probably more wild than most of the other people that are 20 and 30 so (laughs) yeah we had some great times in coming into your studio and so i want to talk about you know when i was a kid van halen 2 okay that album and that album cover you know and i read your name on the credits there and i was wondering who who is that guy you know so is it true that david lee roth actually broke his foot during that session Well, this is the story, and I don't know how much time if you're going to edit this, but what happened was Van Halen 1 came out, and that album, I thought the photos were incredible. And I forgot the photographer's name, but the funny thing is the band hated those photos. I thought they were epic on Van Halen 1, but the guys told me they never liked them. So they hired... they were dark or something? Or? No, they just... I don't know why they didn't like them. I yeah. mean, to me, those photos were trend-setting. You know, I mean, just like Van Halen's music when Van Halen 1 came out, because up to that point, it was discos, Village People, Donna Summers... John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John, Saturday Night Fever. And what do you go, I'm a rock and roller. So the first time I heard Van Halen, I'm like, oh, this fucking band's going to be huge. It freaked me out, yeah. Yeah, they were amazing. I heard, uh, what did I hear, Uh, sorry, uh, Running With The Devil. And then it broke into eruption with You Really Got Me. And no one sang like Dave, and no one definitely played guitar like Eddie. So when you're a photographer, you got to get the bands in the beginning before they break big. Because once you break big, all the other parasite, maggot, sponge, leech photographers want to work with those bands because they're big. So you got to get in on the ground floor. And one of my abilities was to always be able to call what bands were going to be big, like Van Halen, Motley Crue, Rad, Guns N' Roses, Poison, Quiet, Riot. And you get them on the ground level and you become family with them. So when they make it big, you're big too. Yeah. So anyway, Van Halen for the second record hired the same photographer that shot the first photos. And he rented this big, huge sound stage in Los Angeles. And he probably had 20 assistants and probably $30,000 worth of rental gear. And it was this big production. So for, And I was there. The guys are like, hey, Slows, we're going to do our album cover. You want to come hang with us? Because we were all buds back then. You know, yeah. we were one big family. You know, we had the same likes. We, you know, we liked partying. We liked boning chicks, you know. And, <laughs> you, know it was, you know, we all had the same interests. We were the same age. So they invited me down. So first went Al, and the guy did the shots of Al with his drum kick, and I think he had the sticks on fire. So Al's done. Next thing he did, Dave, and he made Dave jump off the riser about 10 times. And the very last time, Dave broke his ankle, okay? And all of a sudden, Dave just said, okay, we're done. So, you know, session's over. So, okay, so they still had to do Michael, and they had to do Ed. But Dave was, you know, pissed off, and he's got a broken ankle. So a couple days later, they called the photographer, and they said, dude, we want to see the photos you did of Val and Dave. So 
He brought in the photos, and the photos were basically, I hate to say it because I have some of those photos, which honestly I'm not supposed to have, but they got ended up in my possession by accident, and they're awful. They're like amateur photos. <laughs> so they fired the guy on the spot, and next thing you know, Pete Angelis, who was like, to me, the fifth member of Van Halen, and, you know, a genius in my mind, he calls me up, hey, Neil, it's Pete Angelis. Look, the guys love you. We fired the original photographer, and we need you to finish doing the photo shoot. We need to do Ed, and we need to do Michael, and you need to look at the guy, what the first guy did, and sort of copy the lighting and everything else. So they showed it to me. I did Ed. I did Al, and then I found the nurses that were used on the album because they were all friends of mine. I like hanging with hot chicks. Who doesn't? <laughs> and uh, and then we did Dave sitting on the stool with the broken ankle, and that was Van Halen too, which was maybe one of their first trend-setting albums that really broke them and took them to the next level. Oh, so. I freaking loved it, man. It changed my life as a young guitar player. Yeah, mine too. I mean, uh, if you said to me, Neil... You have to give up photography, which I already did anyway, or you have to give up ever listening to music again. Well, that's a no-brainer. Give up photography because I can't live without music. I start listening to music the second I wake up when I'm brushing my teeth, taking a shower, in the library in the morning, if you know what I mean, yeah. re reading a motorcycle magazine and so on. <laughs> so What was magic about that era is that was the visuals we had, was headphones and looking at those album covers and studying every detail of those photos, which you took the majority of those classic photos. You know, we didn't have YouTube back then. I mean, the way I learned to play guitar was taking that needle off of Van Halen albums and going back and forth, back and forth, you know? Yeah, over and over again. I mean, you know, nowadays you could go on YouTube and learn how to play Smoke on the Water or learn how to play almost any song you want. But back then, I mean, you could almost learn to do anything you want, whether it's rebuilding a carburetor or painting a house or whatever you need to do on YouTube, which is a great thing. But, you know, to, yeah. to me, you know, when MTV came into existence, that to me was a downer because that wrecked music. I mean, music is meant to be listened to. And here you got some director the bands would hire and they would turn the music into some type of concept. Okay, we're going to have this pretty girl in the middle of the scene. She's going to be driving down the highway and get killed. And then, <laughs> and then the band's going to have tears. In their, it's stupid. I don't want to see music put to videos. I want to hear rock and roll is what I want to hear. Yeah, and it had a mystery to it, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, like when I heard Light Up the Sky, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about, yeah, you know? Yeah. That's a great song, too. I mean, that's, you know, Light Up the Sky. The early Van Halen stuff was great, you know. So another inspiring photo for this young guitar player from a small town up in Northern California was the Guitar World interview with Randy Rhodes. Okay. That photo really tripped me out. First of all, were his they, haircut were they was my killer. photos? Yeah, didn't you shoot the photo of him with his guitar sitting up on the oh, stand? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did that for a Japanese magazine. And the, the funny thing is, I knew Randy from the Quiet Riot days. And when I saw Randy playing the Quiet Riot days, everybody was talking about him and stuff. And I went and saw him. I was like, this band's sort of bad. They aren't very good at all. Randy's guitar player playing. He didn't develop and have any type of style back then. And then I had to go to some Aussie rehearsals. I think it was 82, maybe 83 with Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge. And they were at a rehearsal hall. And I saw Randy play again. I'm like, 
oh my god, what the fuck happened to this guy? Did he lock himself in a room for four years, 24-7, and just play the guitar? And Randy just developed his style to an incredible playing you know, style. I mean, there was no one else like him. He didn't sound like Ed. No. And, you know, there was no one really else like Randy back then. But, yeah. So the funny thing is that show was done, I think, on... December 31st at the sports arena in downtown Los Angeles. And I went to the sound check and shot those photos. And then Randy was like, hey, Slows, you coming back tonight to shoot the show? I'm like, dude, I don't want to spend my, my New Year's Eve in an Ozzy Osbourne show. Because honestly, I was never a Black Sabbath fan or anything. I mean, Ozzy's Ozzy. He's a mm. character. Randy's great. Rudy's great. Tommy Aldridge I worked with since the Black Oak Arkansas days. Wow. Uh, yeah, I knew Rudy when he used to work at this a vegetarian restaurant on Sunset Strip across from Tower Records, and he had the long hair, but he had to put a little cap on his hair because they wouldn't let him with the long hair work there. So <laughs> I, I've known Rudy forever. Great guy. So going back to the old school days, we used to have to wait like a week to get the negatives processed, and then we'd have to get that little eyeball thing and stare at the contact sheets, you know. Right. You mean being an artist waiting for the <laughs> photographer to do their thing and most photographers are flaky idiots anyway, so they aren't the, you know, you got to be a good businessman to be a great photographer. That's more important than the quality of the photos. But a lot of <laughs> photographers, they lose the film or, you know, you get the film process from some shitty lab or whatever. So There was so much more chance for error back then, you know, so that's why, you know, you'd get so involved in working with the bands in the studio. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Did you have a dark room, man? Well, if any of you people out there ever saw my documentary, when I was a little kid, five years old, my parents came up to me and my sister and said, hey, kids, do you want a swimming pool or do you want a fallout shelter? And we looked at each other, me and my sister said, what the fuck's a fallout shelter? We're like, hey, mom and dad, we want a fucking swimming pool. <laughs> well, two weeks later, they started putting the fallout shelter in, which for five years, 10 years, was absolutely worthless until I got the bug up my ass that I wanted to be a photographer. So that became my darkroom, the fallout shelter, because it was 13 feet underground, and you could walk down these stairs, and I eventually ran phone lines down there from my bedroom, and I ran speaker lines down there from my Barantz 2270 amplifier, and I'd go down there, and in 24-7, whether it was 3 in the afternoon or 3 in the morning, it was pitch black, and so you could develop film and make prints down there. And then once I uh, acknowledged the world of smoking pot and boning girls, I did a lot of that down there, too. It was a good experience, the fallout shelter. It's a good thing that my folks didn't put the swimming pool in. <laughs> That's amazing. The fallout shelter. Oh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, the dark room with the red light and oh, all that. Yeah, the red light. <laughs> red light mama. That's what it should have been called. You know? I remember the magic of seeing those pictures come to life. An old friend of mine in Sacramento had one. His name's Greg Savlin, and he was an undiscovered photographer. Have you ever heard of Greg Savlin before? Nah. He was, in our hometown, he's like a legendary guy who took some killer photos of bands and uh, never really, you know, got a break. Right. But I hung out with him, and he was really cool, and he would take me in a dark room and bring all these pictures to life. Did you guys smoke pot down there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. did I guess? <laughs> Tell me about the books, man. How many books you got out now? Well, I got five books out, but that's all old stuff. I think you're in. I think you're in the fuck you book. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. You had me do the middle finger and give a quote. Yeah, but I didn't have you do the middle finger. It's probably because I shot you and you flipped me off because 99% of the photos in the fuck you book were just people like, I'm like, come on, size, give me some attitude, man. Stick your chin out. Do the slow as fuck you. And, you know, so I mean, there's Steven Tyler on stage flipping me the finger in front of 18,000 people. And there's Nikki Six and David Lee Roth and everybody, you know, just because. You know, they can't handle me. So all these magazines have kind of come and gone, man. Hit Parader, Cream, Circus. But Guitar World, the cover, Eddie Van Halen, that picture was one that really inspired me, you know, was coming from a good... World or was a guitar player? Well, I thought it was Guitar World, but it's the one where Eddie had all his guitars set up and he's got the pick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did that one in 1980. He brought all his guitars down and, yeah, he's got the axe or pick or whatever it is over his shoulder on the gray backdrop. Yeah, that's one of mine. But I don't remember that one on the cover of her. Well, you know, I don't remember much either, man. I only got one brain cell left, yeah, bro. Well, I'm probably half of that. You're younger than me. I've been doing more damage for a longer amount of time. Oh, man, but you're a great friend, bro. I mean, I I remember calling you a couple years ago because my son was going to possibly move to L.A. and your kid. And uh, what's your kid up to? Smoking pot. And, you know, he's OK. I got to keep him in line. His girlfriend lives with us. And it's like he's OK. He he actually did a good thing because he registered all my photos with the United States Library of Congress. In other words, the copyright office. So considering I'm retired now. The way I make 90% of my income is going after the infringers who illegally use my photos without my authorization. And I make 50 times more money going after them than I do licensing photos. Like I said, I don't really mm. shoot anymore, but I have a photo agency and I license photos for books and magazines and documentaries and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Well, rightfully so, man, because your photos are iconic, legendary. I'm talking to Niels Lozauer, the one and only. Man, thank you for being on the Far Out Podcast, bro. Uh, always a pleasure. I was getting bored upstairs, so I needed a change of uh, climate here. So, Hey, well, speaking of Far Out, the original concept of the Far Out podcast was talking to artists and musicians and photographers or anybody who does other things outside of what they've done for their career so is it true you're into motorcycles man yeah you know like i said that's really what makes me happy now motorcycles and cars and i have a few vintage cars but i have a lot more vintage motorcycles so that's basically go to my studio do some photography work but, yeah, that's what makes me the happiest in my old age is working on bikes, riding them, so on and so forth. And so, uh, if I remember correctly, did you have a Norton? Well, I got two Nortons. I got about everything you can imagine that doesn't cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, like Vince and Black Shadows and Bruff Superiors and things like that. But I got a few Nortons and... I got Benelli's and Lavertas and BSA, Triumph, Royal Enfield, Ariel. I can't even remember. Moto Guzzi, Air Machis, you know, just. Awesome. I like the weird shit, just like me. I'm weird. I like the weird stuff. So. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And do you uh, get out and ride much, too? 
I basically try to ride every Sunday. I mean, I basically go the same route every Sunday, and I don't ride at night, and I don't ride on freeways, and I don't really, with my bikes, you could put 100, 150 miles on, and then you go back to where you started, because my bikes were all vintage bikes. It's not like a modern super bike where you could drive from my house to Las Vegas 400 miles and then drive back 400 miles. <laughs> Your ass would be hurting. <laughs> well, my ass would be hurting, and hopefully a lot of my stuff English, so the English aren't known for the most reliable machinery in the world. Right, know? there ain't no bike shops on the on the highway between yeah. L.A. and Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I, I do all my own maintenance anyway, so my bikes are pretty reliable, but you know, if one nut falls off and a part falls off because of the nut fall off, you're fucked. Yeah. So. Well, I'm kind of between bikes right now. I had a, an old Sportster uh, piece of shit AMF Sportster that never... 70s, <laughs> 70s yeah. Sportster. Yeah, right? but it had straight pipes on it, so it was loud as fuck. I loved that. Yeah, those are actually coming into their own and starting to be worth some money, the AMF ones, because they're known for making bowling balls. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the Norlin era Gibson guitar. They have the bad reputation, but now people are starting to like them. Yeah, they're becoming collect. You know, if if you live long enough and things get old enough, they're going to be collectibles, even if they were pieces of shit. You know? Yeah, that freaking bike, man, it would never stay in second gear. So I'd be getting cruising, and then all of a sudden, bam, it would pop out of second gear, and I could never get that freaking finger thing fixed. Yeah, yeah, that's setting up the clutch and the gearbox. It sounds like some of the Eternals were a yeah. little off. But. It was a had a big finger or something i don't so, know so what did you do you sold it yeah i sold it but i had a lot of fun on that bike and then i had a soft tail for a while and so you're a harley guy right yeah i like harleys but I, if i got back into bikes again i would probably i'd like to get into a norton or a triumph something old school that's fun well to they make they make new triumphs they tried to revive norton a few times it just hasn't worked and they were ridiculously expensive but you get an old vintage norton or triumph for reasonable money you just can't ride it across the united states unless you're a moron you know i just want to ride around the neighborhood and get my mind in in a zone that's yeah. outside of yeah. you know music yeah. or yeah. business and, and the good thing with bikes you're out in the open you got no passenger talking to you you can just sort of be free, and it's a great feeling. That's why I like motorcycles. I mean, I have a lot of vintage cars, and some of them are two-seater, some are four, but it just, in my old age, I like the motorcycles better than the cars. Maybe when I get older and I can't kickstart my bikes anymore, maybe then I'll come back to the cars, but right now I like the bikes. Yeah, know? there's freedom in it, man. It freedom. feels good. Yeah, freedom's a good thing. I was married once, no more. <laughs> I got a lot of freedom now, so that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, if I was going to get a car, I'd probably get like a Cobra Jet or something like that. Cobra Jet, 1968 428 Cobra Jet, those are good. Yeah. If you if you could afford the gasoline, because you're probably talking 10 to 12 miles a gallon. <laughs> but yeah, the Cobra Jets go for big money, you know. Well, right now, you know, I'm not into the bikes right now. The escape that I'm getting into the zone is with horses. And that's a Those horse. are expensive too, though. Yeah, they're very expensive. And especially the horses that my wife and I are into, they're called cutting horses. Have you uh, ever heard of that before? No, as long as you aren't cutting them up and eating them. That's no, <laughs> no, no, no. The word cutting comes from... It's a cowboy sport, and when the cowboys would be herding cows across Texas or whatever, right. if they would see a cow out there that needed to be cut out of the herd, maybe for some medicine or right. some special treatment, the horse that they would be on would be super smart, and it would walk in really slow and calm, 
and then it would cut that cow from the herd. Right. And then that cow would go crazy trying to get back to its buddies. But the horse wouldn't let it. No, the horse wouldn't let it. Okay, sounds like they're good, but it sounds like they're pretty mellow horses, though. Yeah, they stop. They don't yeah. run. See, they're the opposite of like barrel horses That's or something. Cool. Yeah, their their whole thing is stopping and backing up. Right. And when you're how, riding them, you have to relax, man. Yeah, how many do you have? Uh, we have eight of them things right now. <laughs> Just curious, how many guitars do you have? You know, I quit counting guitars, bro. Uh, you're like me on motorcycles. I quit counting. So. Yeah. But you like yeah. those SGs, I see. I do love the I SGs. I think every guitar yeah. you played last night was the SG. That's true. I do because they're simple, and I don't really rely on a whole bunch of outboard gear or anything right. to me it just comes from the notes you're playing right it's, i agree you know so exactly. uh, neil it's great to have you on the podcast man it's always great to hang out thank always you so good. much I, I see you once a year these days on the monsters of rock cruise but you're yeah. you're probably the only band i try to catch every set that your band plays because they're great as a matter of fact when's your next set tonight it's tomorrow night tuesday night same okay. place same time six oh, o'clock theater yep same okay. theater and we're gonna change our set so okay. that was a good set Play Edison, Edison. All right, we will. I'll talk to the guys, yeah. All right, you got it, Frankie. (laughs) Thank you, Slows. All right, it was fun, man. You have been listening to the Far Out Podcast. Brought to you by Gibson Guitars and Out of Bounds Brewing Company. Be sure to listen to the upcoming episodes that were recorded on the Monsters of Rock Cruise.